despite billions of listeners, doesn't have a page on Wikipedia. I assume that's just Ira Glass constantly deleting it. Out of jealousy, and now here are your second favorite internet hosts. Behind that HQ trivia guy, Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Janula. Hello, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers. We had a live comedy show where we took the internet and used it as our script on stage. That was called Blogologues. We then had a web series called Two Girls, One Show where we met the people behind the internet posts and went on scripted adventures. And now here we are with Two Girls, One Podcast with The Daily Dot and Matt Silverman. Hi, Matt. Uh, <laughs> that's what he sounds like exactly <laughs> and we are talking to people our producer behind... is basically a wookie oh <laughs> but you know who that was obviously no maybe i do know, you know but oh okay i do but it also sounds so similar like i feel like the next line is Ooh, you know what i mean <laughs> maybe wilson was based on a wookie it's like ww mm. never thought about it was not wilson that's that's uh, Tim the Tuma, Tool Man Taylor, of course. Ah, shoot. <laughs> Whatever. Let's start rumors. You heard it here. All right. So <laughs> if you're curious about what the F you're getting into in this podcast, well, we are interviewing people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. And today's a subject that we have covered before, but in a different way. We're looking at Wikipedia. Another W word that's fun to say. Wicka, wicka, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Allie, what are we what are we doing today? Well, it was almost two years ago that we last covered Wikipedia, which is fucking crazy. We've been crazy. doing the podcast for that long. It was almost exactly two years ago. I think it was August 2018. Do you know what episode number? 46. Oh, she wow. nailed Look at you with it. dates and episode numbers. Shit. Mm-hmm. Doing our research. Yep. Mm-hmm. On ourselves. Yeah. So we covered <laughs> the bias in Wikipedia. So apparently most of the editors are white and male. There are a lot of entries that are essentially missing related to the accomplishments of women and minorities. Shocker. I know. But we covered that two years ago. Today, we're covering something a little different. A bit. (laughs) I was tossing it back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, this just loops now? (laughs) It was funny for like two seconds, then it kept going. Yeah, I didn't didn't intend for it to go that long. Sorry. Was that an animal or like (laughs) screeching a chair across the ground? What? That was a a Wookiee. That was Chewbacca. Chewbacca. That was Chewbacca? Girl, get it together. Allie, you, I think I'm used to you doing the Chewbacca noise. Can you um, <laughs> make, do that first? I don't know. I can't do that one. There I are different noises he years. makes, though. I can't uh-huh. do that one. Yeah. Allie and I once played... Uh, who did we, You played Luke Skywalker, and I played Han Solo in a sketch in Blogologues. Was that correct? Yeah, where we had a baby together. That's right. It was an Mpreg sketch. Um <laughs> Is that on the internet? I don't think it is. <laughs> well, let's Kinda get hope on that. It is. Let's get um, on it. Anyway, today we're basically talking to like a Wikipedia expert, right? He's like obsessed with Wikipedia. Yeah, he's a blog called The Wikipedian. He's also started, uh, launched something called WikiWatch, a Wikipedia monitoring tool. Uh, you know, he deals with conflicts of interest, working with companies, um, you know, trying to make sure that Wikipedia is indeed accurate. So he's doing a lot of different things. I'm sure he has a lot of fun stories and some not so fun stories. But Matt, <laughs> 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 um, pop quiz. Mm-hmm. Episode 46 of Two Girls, One Podcast. The women editing thousands of Wikipedia articles in a quest for gender parity. How many articles were on Wikipedia at the time? Oh, God. D- did we... Was that part of our trivia? No, I'm pop quizzing you. Okay. Oh. Oh. Why would da- I know? Dame Rosie probably said it in episode 46. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so I want to know what she said so we can see in the two years that have passed how much it's grown. But did she actually say that? Like, do you um, know the number? No, I don't know the number. I'm oh, hoping that okay, you do. Great. I'm hoping that you okay. do. <laughs> I'm going to say seven. All right. What? Seven what? Seven articles. Oh, you're so useless. <laughs> 
Well, I leave it up to the fans to tell us what did she say. <laughs> and then today we'll find out how the numbers grown. This was a lovely so, little so segment. Let me just get this straight. Pop quizzes by Allie. Your segment is. I have no idea if this was in the episode, no, but no. here's a question that I don't know the answer to. Figure it out yourself, listeners. Pretty sure it was in the episode. Okay. I don't know the answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's looping. This this interface. Oh, here we go. Here here's just the standard one. Right? I'm gonna kill myself. That's like I picture, <laughs> I picture somebody just repeatedly bitch slapping Chewbacca and he keeps making the noise. Poor you know Chewbacca. what? That's fantastic. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I see a sketch. I think there's a sketch Indeed. in the future. Let's talk about Adam. Because he saved the day. For he those saved of you listening, the day today. this recording almost didn't happen. But so. Adam is a gentleman and a scholar and a hero. Why am I not surprised Adam saved the day? He's a man of many random tech <laughs> tools and like, like if, or any kind of tool. Like you need like a... So the other... We have a car now and we had to like get something off the glass, like a little like decal that was on there. And he was like, oh yeah, I think I have one of those things that scrapes decals off glass. He's like just one of <laughs> those people. But not only that, he has it with him in New Hampshire. Yeah, he like carries a toolkit with him. He's prepared for anything. I don't know. That's Maybe he's so like, super fucking of I, great. Of course I have a decalifier. Who, who doesn't have that? And you're like, what? Yeah, it makes no sense to me. I, so I think good. it's awesome. You know, quarantine is terrible, but I think there's something fun about how it has changed our lives. Like Indeed. you're gonna live this like nomad life now, which would never have happened. Yeah. Well, okay, so just quickly with today's show, we were looking for a cable, could not find it. Matt sent me one, it didn't work. Then whatever we just had a big old crisis. Matt was calling me all morning. I wasn't picking up my phone. And then <laughs> I was like, the cable Matt texted okay, the cable me like I think wrong. Jen died. And I'm like, the cable, uh, the cable is wrong. But more importantly, I think Jen vanished. I don't know where she is. It's been stressful. He's texting me like, where's Jen? I'm like, I'm in California. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure she's fine. Give her a minute. (laughs) Well, you know, we're leaving New Hampshire tomorrow. I'm so sorry. Like, my phone was not near me. And for some reason, the texts weren't coming up on my computer. Don't apologize to him for this. I know. (laughs) You're allowed to take a minute. She was shitting, Matt. She was shitting, okay? The, the, uh, no, the only feeling I could compare it to when I finally okay, did. Jen doesn't shit. I, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I said that in a vaguely cognitive accent. I don't know why. Um, but the, <laughs> the only feeling I can compare what talking to Matt was like to after we finally did get in touch was like when you were in high school and you stayed out really late and you did something wrong <laughs> and then you get home and have to address your parents. I was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Anyway, um. But we were looking for a cord and Adam just had it. And guys, this is very random because the cord hooks into my microphone. This is a podcasting microphone and Adam doesn't podcast. But then Matt told me that you could use it on a printer. Yeah, yeah, it's for printers. I feel like he had this for this moment because also he's a big (laughs) 2G one peep band. And he was like, I've got to be prepared. If shit goes down, I've got to have the cords. (laughs) Like I feel like at some point he was like, I'm going to save the day. I got the decals and the cords <laughs> covered. Don't worry. Yes, yes. You know what's but, so great about my love for your boyfriend? <laughs> what's that? You know exactly how I felt about all your other boyfriends, so you know it's true that I love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not like, oh, Allie loves all of Jen's boyfriends. Like, no, no. I don't. <laughs> you, you've never <laughs> been shy about that. <laughs> Quanish? Allie's never Quanish was not on the list. No, did not meet the cut. Yeah, what do you think about Quanish, Allie? Quanish was my uh, first boyfriend when I was 13. Thanks for reminding me. Oh, I'm aware. I, I know. In case the listeners are like, who the fuck is Quanish? Yeah. Well, was there actually a relationship? I, I thought, yeah, I thought Quanish was just like a crush from the diary pages. No, first kiss, first kiss. First kiss. First kiss. Well, see, there she goes. <laughs> Anyway, we're about to be nomads, and it's so exciting. We're leaving New Hampshire. We're going to Maine. We'll go back to New York. We'll do it all very responsibly. It's just going to be the two of us. <laughs> um, and then we might come back to New Hampshire in the fall. So, Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's so cool. I'll be podcasting from various places. I'll keep you all updated. And one condition for all of this is that we have good Wi-Fi. You'll be happy to hear, Matt. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Yeah. 
Well, my dollar store plants are thriving, so yes. we're basically the same. <laughs> did you just knock one over, though, right before this I started? I did because it's growing too big for my fucking windowsill. I'm so, going to have to repot this bitch. How much have these plants grown in like the three weeks you've had them? A lot. Official number. A lot. <laughs> this is some hot podcast talk. Let's talk hot. about plants growing. It's a great hot. segment. I'm turning into a middle-aged lady. I'm into <laughs> gardening now. That's about it. You love flowers. Yeah. I lo- <laughs> fucking love flowers. They are so fucking crazy. Have you guys seen them? <laughs> have you seen these you flowers? flowers? <laughs> yeah. But you, no, you were saying that you're you're equivalent to Jen of like you both have I think you're ahead because Jen <laughs> just has a boyfriend. Yes. You have a family now Fuck to yes. take care of. <laughs> Thank you so much. And of course I have put googly eyes on all my new plants. So I have a lot of friends. Ali, can you share that latest picture in the Discord of the palm plant with the googly eyes next to the tiny plant? Mm-hmm. Please? Yes. Do you know that tiny plant is not a plant. It's a candle that Adam made. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Yeah. (laughs) Um. All right. It is time for trivia. I've got a good one for you today. I mean, they're all good, but this one's especially good. They're all bad, Matt, because they're trivia. (laughs) And trivia is inherently bad. I second that notion. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, You know, two two versus one, but I'm going to proceed anyway. Uh, We do not have a consensus here. Uh, As we all know, Wikipedia is the largest organized body of knowledge ever compiled in human history is the coolest fucking thing in the world like we're living in a time where we have that where we're we're pretty lucky even though it's a it seems like a bad time out there uh but today's trivia is about the fact that obviously wikipedia was not always the biggest general encyclopedia made by humans uh wikipedia only became the largest ever created on september 9th 2007 on that date at that moment it surpassed the previous largest general encyclopedia that ever existed before wikipedia what was the largest wikipedia ever created i have three choices for you okay a the and i'm probably mispronouncing this the yongle encyclopedia which was commissioned by the emperor Uh, one of the emperors of China's Ming Dynasty in 1403. B, uh, Jen, you speak French, right? Uh, Sure, yeah. Ish. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to butcher this. The Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia. (laughs) Go ahead. I I was going to say, I actually don't know, but it's probably, is it, there's a letter E at the end. It's probably Encyclopedia. (laughs) PD. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Exactly. And I think I phonetically wrote it out here and, and totally butchered it anyway. Yeah. Uh, this was a French general encyclopedia that included many concepts from the Enlightenment, including something called the mechanical arts. I assume this is when sophisticated machinery and science was getting getting off the ground. And so this was a very comprehensive encyclopedia of the time, first published in 1751. That's choice B or C. Microsoft Encarta, a software-based encyclopedia originally released in 1993 and later obliterated by the free web-based Wikipedia, which came along. So the question again is, which encyclopedia was the biggest ever before Wikipedia took the crown? And biggest meaning longest. Most entries, most text, most comprehensive. Okay. Well, Yongle is kind of fun to say, so I'll go with Yongle. That's what I was thinking too. It's gonna go with dongle <laughs> for the same reason. <laughs> yeah, it rhymes with dongle. <laughs> I like it, literally for that reason. Also, I was like, did Matt make up yongle? Like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, why don't you go with yongle and I'll go with the French one? <laughs> uh, you know, but you said yongle first, but then you also did have a great French pronunciation, as far as <laughs> I, I could tell. So I'm gonna let this happen. Okay, I'll go with B. Allie goes with A. <laughs> And just so, to diversify as though there's actually a prize. <laughs> exactly right. So just to clarify, you're saying that uh, scrolls in the 1400s and uh, books in the 1700s are bigger than Microsoft and Carta. That's what you're saying. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, we're sticking with it. You know, Great. why not? It's a gamble. We're going to go for it. We're going to find out the correct answer, the correct dongle, after this commercial break. Jen here. And Allie. <laughs> we're still here. If you had any doubts that we weren't here, we are still here. Where and else would we go? <laughs> we're we're all here, actually. You're still here. If you're hearing this, you are here, too. Everybody's and, here. But there's some special people who we hope are here mm, that we would like true. to thank. Mm-hmm. That's right. So if you've been a listener of the show for some time, you you might know that we mention our Patreon at the end of every single show. And there are a few of you who have taken this very seriously and contributed at a $10 or more level. And you are sexy motherfuckers. <laughs> so we would like to thank Jerry Duran. Jessica Fox. Melissa Elliott. James Dolger. Christopher Latch. Kathy Phillips. And William. Thank William. you. Thank you, William, and the rest. We appreciate you. We're glad you're here. And now we're going to continue to be here and get back to the show. And now a real post entitled, Have You Seen My Bitch-Ass Dog? From the Internet's best doggy daycare service, Next Door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. Have you seen my bitch-ass dog? Cinna is at Tanner, wearing a black harness. If you spot him, he is a treat whore and will pretend he has never been fed in his life. Don't believe his lies. Just call me. Whoa, Cinna. Cinna's a, a treat whore. I'm a treat Honestly, whore, I get it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I want a dog. I'll take Cinna. speaking of sinna what about yongle (laughs) we're just saying nonsense words (laughs) (laughs) what encyclopedia did wikipedia dethrone in september of 2007 wikipedia is the biggest but before that which was the biggest a, the Yongle Encyclopedia from the Ming Dynasty in China, mm-hmm. Ming 1403. Dynasty. Sticking with it. Sticking with that was Ali's choice, right? Correct. You, well, you went for the Yongle? Well, it's too, and then I took it from her. <laughs> Fair <laughs> it's enough. All, it's all good. <laughs> uh, B, the, say, how do you say it, Jen? <laughs> I don't know. Encyclopedia. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was the the French Encyclopedia from the Enlightenment, 1751. So Jen's going with that answer, B. Uh, and no one picked C, Microsoft Encarta from 1993, which Boring. used to cost almost $400 when it was first released, by wow, the way. Really? Yeah. What? Wow. Like before they started bundling it with your new computer or whatever, educational it's software, so it was like $400. Yeah. That's so interesting because people's frame of reference was probably like, yeah, like the hardbound encyclopedias. So that- <laughs> well, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so strange. This okay. is valuable and yeah. like big. Huh. All right. The correct answer is... The Yongle. Oh! Oh my god! Jen! What? I'll give my prize to you. But see, there is no prize. (laughs) You deserve it. I'm gonna gonna send it to you. I'm sure Matt has something coming, and you deserve (laughs) it. You deserve it. You believed. You believed in me. You were very generous here, and I am going to share my prize with you. Matt, what did we win? I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What did we win? Uh, My utmost respect. And appreciation. Ah, well, okay. I'll give it to Jen. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Very quickly, because I know our interview's coming up, this thing is bonkers. The Yongle Encyclopedia is a largely lost encyclopedia commissioned by an emperor in 1403, completed in 1408, comprised 22,937 manuscript rolls. So like each roll was a chapter. 11,000 volumes. However, fewer than 400 volumes survive, uh, which is like 3% of the original work. And the the work we know today is a copy of the original. Most of it was lost in the second half of the 19th century because of Western attacks and social unrest. But it was the biggest of all time. And it was only surpassed in its largeness 
by Wikipedia six centuries later. Uh, and this is also very interesting. Initially, this the Yongle Encyclopedia was very inclusive. The emperor did not want it to be only Confucianist thought, so he also included uh, Buddhists and Taoists and other uh, like scholarly schools of thought. He wanted it to be comprehensive. But then later, I don't know if it was a different emperor, but at some point, the the emperor kept the there was like one copy, literally one copy of this massive tome of human knowledge, and he he didn't want it duplicated and kept it like in a secret vault or some shit and all the scholars of the time were like this information should be available to people like why are you like holding it secret using it for political power and things of that sort um so eventually it was copied in the 1500s and the original version is lost to history completely no one knows if it was lost in a fire oh, or whoa. if it was buried with an emperor so Did like we have exist? we have three percent of a copy that we still have. Oh, shit. That's all we know, you know. Wait, we have 3% but we don't know what happened to the other 97? The original. Yeah, they think it was either buried with an emperor, so lost and disintegrated, or lost in a fire, or just like constant fire, wars. Or wouldn't some of it be burnt? I feel like there'd be evidence on the remaining 3%. Yeah, I mean, the, the ev- yeah, right. But we, then do we they don't bury know. it and just like forget a couple pages? Like, that's weird too. Uh, it's possible. I'm assuming the 3% we have is like, here's the table of contents and there's 2,000 other scrolls, but where where the rest of the scrolls are, we don't know. I you hope know. they find them soon. Wow, I'm going to go further down this wormhole later. This is really interesting. And Yongle is spelled just how it sounds, guys. Y-O-N-G-L-E. That's right. But it makes me think about how both good and awesome and sucky we are at at having everything? at maintaining information at yes. everything but like human information like we the library of alexandria burned to the ground because someone like oopsie daisy like dumped a torch over or whatever the fuck it was you know and it's like we ha- we have this time now today in human history where we can preserve everything but like you know when our isps go down or you know the apocalypse comes or whatever like a switch goes and are we going to lose the internet one day like in 10,000 years are we oh, going to still have the internet you know everything we built Man, on you it. think we're going to be around 10,000 years have you seen 2020 i don't know right we're not Doesn't making it another 10,000 years let matt be optimistic we like that <laughs> i know that's what he's got that's what he's got All right, folks. Well, it is time for our interview. Please welcome to the show Wikipedia editor and demystifier, Bill Butler. Welcome, Bill. Hey, welcome. Um, Why am I saying welcome? Thank you very much for having me on. (laughs) We're so happy to have you here. I want to be welcomed, too. Nobody fucking welcomes me. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) We're grateful. Um, And we're so happy that you're here. So... We, th- it seems to us that you're fairly obsessed with Wikipedia. Um, so we wanted to hear your story. Like, how did this entanglement with Wikipedia begin for you? I suppose I, I should plead, yeah, guilty to obsessed with Wikipedia. I have only <laughs> devoted about the last decade of my professional life to it. And you know, a few years before that, just as a hobbyist. You know, my my time as a Wikipedia editor goes back about 14 years. It was uh, June of 2006 when I first finally decided to go ahead and try creating an account to make an edit. And, you know, I'd, I'd I'd become fascinated with it over the, you know, months and a couple of years before. I, I graduated college uh, back in 2002. So Wikipedia was just barely around and I didn't have any of that kind of, uh, you know, use Wikipedia to help with school assignments type exper- experience that many people these days will talk about. Uh, I just, I just, I love reading things on the internet and I love, I love getting into uh, communities of writers who are working together toward a shared purpose. Uh, my point of comparison at the time that Wikipedia came around was the blogosphere. Now the blogosphere, I don't know if you guys even remember it or if any of your listeners do, but it was a fascinating time that a lot of people were, you know, just creating content and arguing, hashing out ideas. And then Wikipedia comes along and it tries, it actually imposes this, uh, you know, like, like rules on it. Like we're going to try to put all the world's information together on one website and we're going to do it as fairly and evenly as we can. And, you know, at that time, Wikipedia was so much smaller than it is now. Uh, like around the time that I joined, it just kind of got exponentially more successful. Like it really went hockey stick around 2007. And, 
you know, we can get more into the business side of it, but just uh, just for the moment, as a as a longtime reader of it, who lost hours and hours and hours going down rabbit holes, learning about all kinds of things that I, I always liked reading the the paper Britannica when I was a kid, uh, but this was just now it's possible for so many more things to get subjects, and it was a hoot when a topic like the Ninja Turtles got a you know lengthy explication <laughs> that you wouldn't get. You'd never see that in Britannica. So it's really turned into just one of the most, and, and, and then beyond that, it's become really one of the most important information resources on the entire internet, of the entire planet, of the human population, of, of, of human history. So yes, I'm obsessed with it. We're just slightly younger than you. We graduated in 2005, and I certainly remember referencing things out of the encyclopedia and papers for school. Yeah. Um, but- yeah, what did Wiki? What, what's Wikipedia's sort of relationship to Britannica that you had written about? I mean, it is the it is the the, the relationship of of David to Goliath, right? Britannica <laughs> been around for a hundred years, but the economics didn't translate to the internet. Wikipedia gave away for free what Britannica had made a business out of. If you know anything about disruptive innovation, the 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 was pretty pretty widely abused like way over extrapolated business theory by the late uh, Clayton Christensen, you know the iPhone people talk about it like that's disruption but like real real disruption is when you start out with an inferior product uh, that is like cheap uh, or, or or free and over time it gets better and better and better and it takes down the incumbent uh, mm-hmm. because you know it fits the economics of of the internet better I mean that's exactly what what Wikipedia is versus Britannica. Okay, so we'd love to hear about, we'd love to hear an overview of how things grew for you. Certainly. Well, it kind of made sense that if I'm going to spend a lot of time getting into this whole Wikipedia scene, why not write a blog about it? And so I started writing the, the Wikipedian blog back in 2008 or 2009. It's, it's, it's a ways back there. And my goal from the very beginning was to try to explain uh, how Wikipedia works to the the broader internet, the general public. Almost everybody uses Wikipedia, but almost nobody knows how the sausage gets made. And so I spent a lot of time just extrapolating from my own experiences of editing uh, and then going in and digging through all the discussions among different editors about how they arrived at the decision to, you know, uh, delete one article or to create another. And the entire ecosystem of Wikipedia volunteers who you would never, you don't really ever see them when you just read Wikipedia. Uh, it is this, it's this, this insane community of uh, people who are, some people who are very well-meaning. I have a lot of friends in the community who do great work. Uh, and then there are some editors who you just scratch your head and go, I don't know how you're allowed to stay around here. And so it's, just, it's, it's, it's a madhouse. And, and I, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to try to explain that to people, even if I think the people who read the blog the most are those who are actually around the Wikipedia community anyway. So in some ways, I, I kind of become like an alternative news source. Um, I'm like the alt-weekly uh, compared to the official news organs of the Wikimedia Foundation. So you just mentioned that some of the editors are doing great work and the other ones, it's like, how are you here? So how <laughs> yes. is that? managed and how do we know when to trust something or not? Well, the good thing about, you know, the way Wikipedia is organized is that it you don't have to depend on any one author or writer. What you're really depending on when you're reading Wikipedia is the, you know, is when you're reading an article, you know, keep your wits about you. Uh, not everything in Wikipedia is accurate, but it has gotten much more accurate and much better over time. Um, frankly, this was true even when you were reading a dead tree encyclopedia. The editors of those publications had their own biases too. But what what Wikipedia has is, you know, the the potential for many people to be working on a single article. Like there cannot be two articles about Donald Trump. You don't get a liberal one and a conservative one. Everybody has to agree on what content goes into that page. Uh, And so you can then see the editors behind the scenes. If you go to the talk page, every Wikipedia article has a talk page. It's up in the top left corner, kind of near the logo. Click on that, go scroll down through that page, and you can see what editors have talked about 
about a given subject. And it's those pages that are edited the most that you can trust the most. The, the, the challenges really are at the edges where, you know, there's, there's now more than 6 million articles in the English Wikipedia, but there's, you know, there's not 6 million editors. There's not one editor for every page and some of them are neglected. There's this challenge of trying to help Wikipedia live up to its own policies and guidelines and ideals, which have been very well crafted. They're they're not perfect, but they're very good. The challenge really is to get everybody working to make it as good as possible. And so that's why Wikipedia does need more editors. And so if you're listening and you've never edited Wikipedia, then then you should. Uh, Ali and Jen, let me ask you, uh, have you ever edited Wikipedia? Nope. Nope. Not at once. Not not even not, not even once. considered it. Did you know that you can? Yes. I, yes. Somewhere okay. in my not brain. Everybody yes. knows this. <laughs> okay. How about how about the talk pages? Have you ever gone and <laughs> checked out a talk page? Well, no. no, I didn't know about that. Is that a newer feature, or, or has that always been there? Always been there. It's one of the core yeah. core functions of it. I mean, if you really want to know, like the like the sorted backstory, you know, you can always go to the talk page because if it's a really controversial topic. Or if it's like a celebrity and there's rumors about, you know, a celebrity getting a DWI or, you know, something along these lines, some allegation that they cheated on their wife. Like Wikipedia oftentimes will like try not to be too sensationalistic, but I guarantee you that if it's out there, you can find someone on the talk page saying, hey, shouldn't we mention this person was arrested in 1993? And then you'll have editors going like, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, that's that's where the real scandalous stuff is. It's not on the Wikipedia <laughs> article. It's on the talk page. <laughs> well, no, I really want to go there. Oh, man. Yeah. There's some performance material in there for you guys, probably. For sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so talk to us a bit more about responsible editing culture, because we would love to hear more. I don't think we don't think most people probably realize. I know I don't the amount of mm-hmm. consideration behind all of this and all the practices. Right. Well, so for the uninitiated, you know, uh, there's probably more rules than you really care to know. Uh, But you can always go start by looking to the five pillars of Wikipedia, which I don't have memorized, but they are kind of like the basic, it's kind of like the Declaration of Independence for Wikipedia. It's, it's, It's the mission statement about what we're trying to do here. Build an encyclopedia. It should be neutral. It should be accurate. And, you know, from, and that, that every, everybody who sticks around long, enough to become a regular Wikipedia editor starts to internalize the, um, the, the mission statement and, and the mores. Uh, most editors do follow that. They don't always, it doesn't always mean that they think the same way or that they follow that to the same conclusions. Uh, you know, there are some very famous, famous among, famous among Wikipedians, famous uh, like edit wars where there have been these like knockdown drag out fights that have lasted months. Some have lasted years to trying to figure out what's the right way to uh, describe something on Wikipedia. The canonical example, and still to this day, the longest edit war is from the late 2000s. It was about how to write the name of a Northern European city that has been sometimes owned by Poland and sometimes by Germany. If you are German, you say Danzig. And if you are Polish, you say Gdansk. And the city's changed hands several times over the last millennia. And so there was this, it's insane to say this now, I mean, I think this now, but yeah, it took years for them to figure out. <laughs> Is there a, a prescribed way to make decisions like that? Or are people just kind of hashing it out? <laughs> Well, there is. Uh, well, in practice, it is people just hashing it out. There, this is getting way down in the weeds, but there's something called um, uh, the the BRD cycle, and that is um, um, be bold, uh, then um, revert, revert meaning undo, and then discuss. So, if you want to change something, one person will one boldly make the change. If someone else disagrees, they will then, they'll boldly revert. At that point, the person who made the change in the first place um, is obligated by the rules to go to the talk page and discuss it. If they go back and forth, uh, you know, undoing each other, if they do that, I think it's three times in 24 hours, the first person 
can be blocked. So it's a little bit like tic-tac-toe in like who goes first and who goes second matters. I would say most of the time, most things are not nearly that controversial, but every once in a while you'll get someone who's arguing, especially about politics. Uh, you know, we, we know U.S. politics here the most, but, you know, overseas they have their own issues and the you know, Northern Ireland and Israel and Palestine, these are topics that are, you know, as controversial today as they were when Wikipedia started. And so people like to argue a lot about history and a lot about what, you know, who won this and what matters. And these days now we have, you know, incels and magas and migtoes and all kinds of, you know, strange internet creatures that I'm sure you know very well from this podcast. Well, when you write a uh, I, I, I was a friend of mine actually created the article about incels a few months ago, and that uh, was um, <laughs> not well. <laughs> it is always dangerous to be, you know. Unfortunately, it is dangerous to be a, a a woman on the social internet, as I hardly need to tell you. I'm sure you see it in a way that I just, you know, uh, only hear about. But I hear about it from from my friends, and uh, they've come after her on Twitter. They've come after her at her employers. Yeah, at, at her job. And, you know, all she did was, you know, write this article about how, about this, you know, for pretty, at this point, pretty well established subculture, but one that's controversial and one that's got some pretty serious issues to work through. I think we'd all agree. And, uh, like it's, I guess it's, it's valuable and it's, it's wonderful that there are people who do this, but like harassment on Wikipedia, uh, has been a, serious problem over the years and it, one that you know like we see that happen on, on twitter as well uh, there's a version of that on wikipedia and no one's figured out how to solve that yet what do you do about some of, of migtos and incels what do you do about them trying to become editors and fix the article well if they are willing to edit reasonably if they're willing to respect consensus when that's what the brg cycle is trying to get to is consensus like wikipedia does have really thousands of rules on all kinds of things, but they can't describe everything. So consensus, you know, is what you're trying to reach. If this, if, if, an, if, an, if a self-identified incel editor uh, is willing to, you know, work with consensus and work with other editors and follow the sourcing rules, then, you know, they can, they can edit. Something um, makes me think they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember Gamergate, you know, that's, that's sort of morphed into oh, these yeah. other things these days. But I, and I wrote about this at the Wikipedia at the time that Gamergate came after Wikipedia really hard. Uh, again, it was principally their own coverage. Uh, they, they did not like what the Gamergate article said about them. Of course, this is a group that was uh, well known for saying, uh, actually, it's about ethics and video game journalism. And they were very disappointed when the Wikipedia article did not reflect that view. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Wikipedia, all it does is... Like, so here's an important thing to know about Wikipedia, is it is not a place to, you know, promote your agenda or, you know, write things that you want more people to know about because you think they're important. Wikipedia is a place to collect the information that has been written about you know, whatever the topic is, in, uh, in, in reliable sources, in high-quality journalistic publications and, and, you know, books from major publishers. It's not an activist tool, and it shouldn't be used as a soapbox. Uh, Wikipedia is trying to reflect the world around it. So, like, when Wikipedia is criticized for having, say, too few biographies of women compared to men, Wikimedia Foundation's executive director herself, Catherine Marr, has, you know, like, kind of said, hey, we'd love to have more of these. We are working on it. But it's a problem in the wider world that, you know, women are not recognized for their accomplishments or over history have not been able to participate at the same level uh, that men have. That's what you're seeing when you see that disparity in Wikipedia. Um, That's getting better over time, but there's still so much more to go. I have a super quick question about the harassment stuff. Do yeah. people, do editors use their real names when they are editing and therefore can be tracked back to Twitter and other platforms? Or is it like Pizza Guy 420 made an edit <laughs> six hours ago? Like what, what's going on there? It is both. So like okay. I, I do use my own name on Wikipedia and uh, my, my, my friend who created the incel page uses a 
a handle that is not really her name, but she uses that as her Twitter handle, I think. Or, you know, it's uh, on Wikipedia, every editor is guaranteed not quite anonymity, but pseudonymity. Mm-hmm. As in, if you wish to just be Pizza Guy 420, no one's going to stop you as long as you're, you know, uh, participating in the community well. And Bill, what is the process for handling misinformation? Oh, I wish there was a process. Um, There's not exactly one per se. The process is, um, you know, there's there's this there's a saying that comes out of software development that that also applies to Wikipedia that with enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow. So ideally, with enough eyeballs, all misinformation is reverted quickly. So this goes back to what I said about uh, you know, like the the Wikipedia article about Donald Trump. Uh, you know, you, there's not going to be any real bullshit there for very long. Someone might go vandalize it, but that gets put back really quickly. The bigger problem uh, are, are, are hoaxes. And there have been a couple of really high profile, uh, again, high profile for Wikipedia, you know, hoaxes over the years. There was one that was just caught a year or so ago. It was a page that had existed for over a decade, and nobody knew that it was completely made up out of whole cloth. Like someone set out <laughs> to create a fake topic and, you know, like dress it up with references to real publications. But if you went to go follow like the, the resource, you know, it was like to a book that was kind of rare and you know, not, not online. So once people went like followed it up, they found out, wait a minute, this isn't even real. If you look up Bicholim conflict, B-I-C-H-O-L-I-M, um, this was an article on Wikipedia that lasted for years. It was about, um, a war in India that happened in the 1640s. And, you know, it was just, it was written credibly enough it sounds real like the, the the problem of vandalism is not when someone comes along and like you know adds the word penis to an article <laughs> um it's when it's when someone comes along and like subtly changes a date the book's right but isn't that's so much harder like, like there are bots there are little automated programs that are looking to see if the word fuck shows up on an article where it doesn't belong uh there is no bot that could be programmed um that'll tell you that you know the magna carta was signed one year and not the other you it requires human uh analysis Wikipedia can never be written by computers. It's always going to have to go through human human review and debate. And this is one of the things that I find really truly fascinating and important about Wikipedia. The process of writing human history is happening every day, all day, round the clock, by regular people. You know, you and me, we don't have fancy degrees. We just have a library card. And I mean, figuratively speaking, I haven't been to a library in years. Uh, and, you know, well, we definitely have a Google search and you might, you know, have like a, you know, news database access. And like it's we can choose to create a page about something that we think is important. And if we can find all the sources and demonstrate for others that, hey, this is a topic that no one has ever given, uh, you know, like real serious attention before, you can help write history. You can help elevate a topic that no one else had thought of. I have a question related to those sources. So you've been mentioning reputable sources. I think everyone here on this podcast agrees with what that means. But How does that notion interact with this insane cultural debate we're having right now about what counts as reputable? I mean, this is this is uh, a definitely a, a, a huge question and one that will never properly be answered. What counts as a reliable source? The idea is that it's a publication that has a reputation for fact-checking and accuracy. It also generally tends to be a publication that is writing for a general or a broader audience. So like a newspaper is kind of your canonical example of what works. Uh, in in you know, the, the business world where you know, we're working with clients, sometimes they will bring a research report from like Forrester or Gartner. And you know, they're pretty well respected in the business world, but that is not useful in Wikipedia because it's not written for a broad audience. It was written for you know, a specific customer. The, the same way that um, like, like think tanks, there are lots of research papers and, and position papers, but those can't really be used on Wikipedia because those are more beholden to the donors. Uh, so 
you know, then you have something like Fox News that, you know, it fits the idea of being written for a general audience and it's advertiser supported rather than, you know, supported by a donor or a, you know, like one big customer. Some of its stories are pretty sensational or, or slanted or include significant omissions. There was, in fact, a debate just uh, within the last few weeks about whether Fox News should be uh you know, deprecated as a source. And this is a thing that happens from time to time. So like the, the Daily Mail uh, from the UK was deprecated as a source. You're not supposed to use it if you can find another better one. You know, awesome. uh, <laughs> fuck the Daily Mail. <laughs> I mean, but do you have, are there yeah. communities, though, that then claim, oh, Wikipedia is like too liberal or, or it's it's biased? Like, are people claiming that those because, you know, now we have this whole culture of people claiming that the mainstream media is, you know, this almost sounds like a setup. H- have you heard of conservapedia? <laughs> I, I did. I, I have heard about it, but I don't know much. Here's the thing. First of all, there are a lot of conservative editors on Wikipedia. Uh, I, I think you could you could you could you could make an argument that it leans left. I mean, it's really supposed to be neutral. But there are a lot of conservative editors on Wikipedia who do a great job. Who you know they they tend to like focus on their subjects more, but they follow all the same rules. But like, if you can't agree on what reality is, <laughs> then there is always conservapedia. <laughs> and this was that's their tagline. Pretty much. If you don't like your reality, come on over. Here's the thing is, unfortunately, it's like, you know. It's scary, though. This is a huge problem because those Mm -hmm. are going to, like, gain legitimacy the way other ridiculous sources have. I think if you read Conservatopedia, you would not fear that it would gain legitimacy. (laughs) I don't know. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, Wikipedia is the answer. Okay. I mean, unfortunately, what you're describing is absolutely true, that there are filter bubbles and and, and people who are kind of choosing their own narratives. Yeah, they're living a choose-your-own-adventure, you know, life on the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wikipedia stands as, as, a, as an, it can be an antidote to that. Obviously, somebody has to choose to read it and take it seriously, and you can't ever verify, you can't ever guarantee that. Uh, I will say, Conservapedia is not really a, a true com- competitor. Obviously, it's so much smaller. It's not even really uh, representative of conservatism in general. It's a creationist, like young earth creationist website that that thinks (laughs) like it's, you know, it's I'm sure it's not very good on topics of vaccines. Okay, Bill, I have a a random question that might not be applicable. And I I don't know if you'll have an answer for this. But what do you think about or have you seen like a primary experience editor? And I just made that term up. And I'm thinking of that because I, I have a, a lovely friend, the only person in my real life who I know edits Wikipedia. And mm-hmm. he enjoys and takes seriously editing the entry for our hometown. We grew up together. <laughs> and yep. for a parkway that uh, exists near our hometown. And so, and he's never expressed this, but I'm wondering like, okay, there are no books written about our hometown, I assume. And there's probably Mm -hmm. some newspaper coverage, but like, what if someone in our hometown had a primary source experience of like, I witnessed this happening. There's no news coverage of it, but I was there and maybe here's a photo and therefore I'm going to add it to the Wikipedia Mm. page. Maybe no one cares about this, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe that has happened and, and not, and maybe there's an example of this that's not so provincial. Maybe there's an example of this of like, there is no record of this, but someone says, you know, I don't know, a whale was beached here or something, whatever, you know, does this happen? Uh, well, it does. I mean, so there's the, the, the answer to this question is I can tell you what the rules say and I can tell you what actually happens. What the rules say uh, are, you know, if if it has not been published in a you know reliable source somewhere else, uh, then uh, Wikipedia is not the place for it. Um, no, no original research is one of those key policies of Wikipedia. Now, in practice, do people add the things that they just know to Wikipedia? all the time. <laughs> and, you know, you're supposed to have a citation for everything, uh, but you're not really required to if it's something that's not particularly controversial. And again, remember, there's over 6 million articles and there's, I would say, you know, maybe 100,000 editors who are active in a given month and a, a smaller number that are like really active, like, you know, every day or every week. So they just can't catch all of it. Uh, so yeah, if your friend wanted to add something about a whale they once saw, you know, on the beach of your hometown, well, I mean, okay, 
maybe mm-hmm. it stays there for a while. I wouldn't do it because I think it, yeah, I mean, really, does it, does it matter? You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's more like there was a fascinating mayoral election back in 1982. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you know, some of the fun of this should be going into microfilm and doing real research. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, it's Wikipedia is always going to be imperfect because humanity is imperfect. And, you know, watching it get better. Well, I don't know if humanity is getting better, but Wikipedia is. (laughs) All right. Well, to shift gears just a little bit, we were curious how Wiki is progressing with bias and diversity on the site. I mean, that is one of the big questions uh, that that the the Wikimedia community itself has been trying to work through over the past. I mean past 10 years or so, it was maybe 10 years ago that the like first user survey of editors came back and it showed that fewer than one in 10 editors, uh, I think at the time, were women. And it might be a bit better than that, but but not by a lot. And that's after a lot of efforts to try to get more women editing Wikipedia. There's a split in the community. You have your Wikipedia editors who probably work at a university or an archive or a library. So they are a lot more, you know, uh, invested in these kinds of organizations. Then you have a group of editors uh, who are really active on the website, but never show up for any of the in-person events. And these people come from all over the world and they have all kinds of different views who do it as a hobby, but are not really joiners. Well, you know, it kind of tends to skew towards this. um, This is always difficult to characterize accurately without, without, I don't know, saying it wrong, but you know, it's, it can be unpleasant. There is, there is, there is, uh, there is harassment and there are people who do target, you know, like female editors specifically. There's a whole discussion board where editors try to sort through disputes uh, um, among them and they can be really, really tough. Like that is just like in the trenches every day, trying to keep Wikipedia civil. Back out in the IRL community, you know, there are some really great organizations like Whose Knowledge is one that's based in the Bay Area, which is trying to get, you know, uh, you know, marginalized voices uh, into Wikipedia. And there's Afro Crowd, uh, which is based in New York, and that is trying to get uh, Black and African diaspora, you know, topics covered more. And so these groups often will do edit-a-thons where they will partner with, you know, an organization, a a museum or a library um, or an affinity group and try to teach people how to edit Wikipedia. And, you know, it's an inefficient way to generate Wikipedia editors. But since Wikipedia can't pay editors, that's kind of the only way to go about it. The, the next year, there's going to be another big survey, and I think it'll be curious to see if the if the gender balance has been improved. Uh, there really has not been as much of a focus on on kind of like on race issues or or ethnicity, perhaps until recently. Perhaps with the you know George Floyd protests, I think you know most of mainstream life has had a, a second think about you know. Uh, how are we addressing issues of racism or, you know, what, what should we do? So Wikipedia, I, I wish I could say that there was definitely, that was definitely happening on Wikipedia. I think it's who it's too soon to tell what's happening in that group of conferences or, you know, the editors who show up for conferences, because I do think that the pandemic has kind of like slowed that, that, you know, in-person collaboration. So we'll see. I, mm-hmm. I, it's a thing that I, the people I know, Definitely will care about it. What can be done about it, though, is another question. And it's uh, there are no easy answers. Well, I know you wrote a bit on your blog about this, but how have Wikipedians been approaching uh, George, George Floyd's murder, Black Lives Matter? Yeah. Well, you know, one thing Wikipedia is really just terrific at doing is documenting breaking news events, uh, be it a, a hurricane, be it a, a civil war, be it a, you know, a, a social movement that's happening in the streets. As long as there's news coverage of a thing, then Wikipedia will, you know, the, the, these editors who like their particular hobby is working on current events issues and they do fantastic work. And so when the George Floyd protests began, I mean, when, when, when he was, you know, killed in the first place, like there was an article uh, created about that within the first couple of days. And then when the protests themselves started up, there was a, you know, an, an article for that. And then as the protests spread uh, from Minneapolis to other cities and then around the world, there would be an article about George Floyd protests in Washington, D.C., where I live, or George Floyd protests in 
Johannesburg, South Africa, which I'm, I'm, I haven't looked, but I'm sure that exists. Uh, and for every monument that was pulled down there, well, there was a page created um, called List of Monuments uh, Removed During the George Floyd Protests, and that has certainly gotten longer. There's nothing that is terribly unique about its response. Again, Wikipedia's job is just to cover what is going on, uh, to, to, to be a central repository of information. So important news, once it cycles out of the new, you know, below the fold and, you know, out of the news cycle, that things don't get forgotten. So that makes Wikipedia just a really valuable resource for getting a sense of proportion of what really matters uh, in a way that, you know, just a scan of the headlines never can. So on a, on a similar apocalypse note, What's going on with yes. Wikipedia and coronavirus? Well, I mean, here again, <laughs> this is a similar similar topic where, you know, there's so much news coverage. Editors are, you know, respond are, are stepping up to the challenge. There, there are tens of thousands of articles on Wikipedia now that mention coronavirus. It's been a few weeks since I wrote about it, since I looked at it. Um, but I, I, once again, I think they are ex- extremely good. Uh, on the whole. Not every one of them. Some of them are just too detailed, and that's probably a better problem than not being detailed enough. Um, In fact, if you go to Wikipedia's front page right now, uh, if you look over on the right side of the page, there's a little box called COVID-19 pandemic, and it provides links to information about testing and, you know, how its impact on different locations, um, you know, uh, notable people who have, have died from the disease. And I, I'll, I'll, I, will, I will take a tiny bit of credit for advocating for this box, uh, because back in, uh, I guess it was March, when we were first getting to grips with what was going on, it was apparent to me that the coronavirus Wikipedia articles were getting a ton of traffic. Um, and most of the traffic to Wikipedia does go to the main page, the front page of Wikipedia. But there was, there was like one link to something about the coronavirus. And because Wikipedia is such an important place, because people do go to it for medical information, even though they really shouldn't, uh, mm. Like it was, it, I thought it was very important that if they come to the main page, they'd be able, that, that they can be quickly routed to useful information. And so I did write a blog post about it, calling for such a, a box to be implemented. Um, the truth is, you know, other editors had, had raised the idea before, um, but it was adopted and it's been there ever since. Yeah. Do editors see traffic? Uh, do, you mentioned, oh, millions of people going here or there. Are, are you yes. privy to those numbers? Or are they public? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in an exclusive elite privileged <laughs> club where I know the URL to go look at. And uh, if you've actually, I think if you just go to uh, the the view history page of any article, there's a link that says page views. So yeah, there's a specific tool that does that. That's cool. Tell us a little bit more about WikiWatch. Hey, WikiWatch. I should also mention here that, you know, my company, Butler Inc., we do help clients deal with problems on Wikipedia. If the article about you is it's too short or it's wrong or outdated, we are a team of about eight people who have a long history on Wikipedia. We always approach our projects with a very pro-Wikipedia perspective. We, we follow all of the, uh, all the content guidelines. We follow all the disclosure rules. Like Wikipedia consulting can kind of be sort of a shady place because there are these fly-by-night companies who will go edit your page anonymously. That's not our MO. We always disclose our clients and we also always refrain from direct edits and we, we, we make suggestions. Anyway, that's the quick elevator pitch for what we do. We love doing it. But it also is something that you have to have like some budget to work with. And so WikiWatch is a software as a service tool that we've developed over the last couple of years that is uh, on its way to being like the, the Wikipedia solution for everyone else. Primarily right now, it is a monitoring tool uh, where you have a watch list and WikiWatch will let you know when there are updates. Uh, it includes algorithmic edit summaries to give you an idea of what happened in case you, you know, you look, it'll show you the edit, but you might not know what that edit means. Um, we are looking for a, a few hundred different search terms and page conditions to to help the user understand uh, what happened in that edit. The next part of it is a method for you to use WikiWatch to make a request of Wikipedia editors through the software 
So if there's if you if you're watching the article about your page and you see that there has been you know, someone's added like some false information, then you can use the request form on WikiWatch to explain what you see is wrong, offer up, you know, a justification for why it should be changed. Uh, and then as it's done right now, we, we will help you package that as a, as a request through WikiWatch. In the future, we are looking to make that um, actually fully automated. And that's an interesting technical challenge and a little bit of a social challenge, as in we need editors uh, who are like okay with receiving that. But yeah, so like right now, uh, if you have uh, one or more Wikipedia pages that you would like to know what is happening on it when it changes, then WikiWatch could be a good solution for that. Awesome. My next question for Bill is related to sort of the founding of Wikipedia and such. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe it's an existential question, but every now and again, when I find myself on Wikipedia or using the internet, I stop and I say, thank fucking God that Jimmy Wales and, and, and the founders made a decision mm -hmm. to say, no ads, this is not oh, yeah. a business. This is for the good of the of humanity, and it will always be so. And my question for you is, do you feel that a communal body of human knowledge is inevitable, that it was an inevitable development of, of humanity, or was there hmm. this inflection moment where if if Jimmy Wales had said, yeah, let's let's just keep it going, let's keep the servers on, let's put ads on it, and fucked everything up, as we know it would have become, you know? Mm -hmm. Would we have missed our opportunity? Because I look at the internet today and say, man, we fucked a lot of shit up. We missed our opportunity to make the internet a good place because we monetized and advertised on everything. And now we have problems with that. So what do you think about that? That's a really interesting question. And I, I, I think I have to say that it was not necessarily inevitable that it worked out the way that it did. Uh, the modern internet for all the problems that it has, and you folks, given your subject area, know better than most. You know, there are some things that still, like Congress actually got right back in the 90s, uh, like Section 230, uh, which, you know, protects the owners of websites from being sued over what is, you know, put on their platforms. I mean, not only would, you know, Twitter be impossible without it, but Wikipedia would be impossible without mm -hmm. it. So in some ways, you know, there were some like lucky or smart decisions, uh, your choice, uh, back in the day that allowed it to be what it is. One of those, and you are right to identify the lack of ads as something that really matters. You know, when, when Jimmy Wales first started Wikipedia, it, he was running a a website called bomus.com and another little you know fun trivia factor that i'm that, that he certainly would love to forget but it was like it was like a softcore porn site it was like cheesecake <laughs> photos somewhere on the internet you can find this like hilarious photo of jimmy wales on a boat wearing like sunglasses and a captain's hat and his arm around two busty blondes and you know he's really setting himself up as like like a, a, a this you know bro capitalist bro and turns out that his nonprofit uh well his encyclopedia idea worked out instead and you know for the first couple of years or so i think it was at like wikipedia.com and then he wisely spun it off as a nonprofit it was an accident that it happened you know jimmy wales i don't know him personally so i'm not you know going to like praise him or denigrate him he's just an average guy you know he's tried some other businesses after wikipedia and they've had you know some like you know they've they've been okay or not um he really just hit on one thing he was in the right place at the right time with the right idea and he made some smart decisions. If Jimmy Wales had tried to reach out and grab for the money, it would have it would have, it would have slipped through his fingers right. because the community had developed around it, depended upon it being you know an ad free nonprofit resource. This is why like the work that I do on Wikipedia, um, helping clients to talk to editors and you know try to influence you know what is said on some pages, is always going to be somewhat controversial because it's an educational, you know, uh, like benevolent project. And, you know, here I am like sullying it with, you know, corporate interests. And they might, my, my, my take is that, you know, Wikipedia has an obligation to get things right. Our partners, you know, have a right to, you know, speak up and say, hey, you're not getting us quite right. But Wikipedia is always going to have this kind of like anti-corporate perspective that in some ways is healthy because it always keeps Wikipedia skeptical and truth-seeking as it should be, uh, but in other ways can, can hold it back. Like, 
Copyrights, Wikipedia is the most copyright respectful website out there. You cannot put an image on Wikipedia unless you have worked out the copyrights or better yet, released it as public domain or creative mm -hmm. commons. But on the flip side, it means that there are just not very many good maps on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. If you want good maps, go to Encarta because Microsoft paid a lot of money for them. Mm -hmm. Wikipedia, which doesn't pay for content, is held back by that in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that will change in the future, but I'll be editing nonetheless, because it was not inevitable to happen this form. But, you know, humankind has been compiling information for its entire existence. And, and I really think that Wikipedia, if it's not the final form, the final form will be based on it, because it's an incredible, incredible achievement. All right. Well, on that note, Bill, we would like to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really enlightening and a pleasure. This has been great. I thank you so much for having me on and send over the links and we'll promote it from our channels when it's live. Well, this begs the question. Mm -hmm. And I think you both know what the question is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Matt, Matt, why don't you ask the question? Because I believe it's your question and not my question. <laughs> yeah, I think Matt should kick this off. <laughs> How are we going to make the 2G1P Wikipedia page. Right. I think we got to toss this one to the listeners. Yeah. Indeed. We've been Someone on air for a, a while now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're real. Yeah. We're public figures of That's note. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but I'm on board with the rest of the plan. <gasps> we have a small but loyal following, and we need you <laughs> to make a page for us, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If Joe Rogan has a Wikipedia page, we should have a Wikipedia page. Yeah, his podcast hasn't been on there as long as ours. contract with Spotify. That's right. That's right. Wouldn't that be lovely? Well, listeners, well, get to work. Get to work. <laughs> and I wanted to say something I found particularly interesting was the idea of consensus as it applies to historical events. Yes. Because... <laughs> And Jen I and thinking, I have researched this and talked about yeah. it before, but it's really interesting because, for instance, when the Palestinian-Israeli conflict is resolved one day in the future, they're going to have to come up with a consensus for the textbooks. Like, apparently that's a big mm. part of what historians do is figure out the consensus so that people can move forward, essentially. Mm. So it's interesting to see how Wikipedia may actually play a role in conflict resolution in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that kind of blew my mind. We are going to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got things to do. Yeah. No, we don't. Well, but we're serious. We want you to make a Wikipedia page. Actually, <laughs> I don't know if I will. I don't know. But I if, want one. If you feel so inclined, that would be awesome. And uh, <laughs> But whatever you do, please do keep in touch because we love hearing from you. So you can tweet at us. I'm at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also text us. How fun. Uh, and or leave us a voicemail, which we think is even more fun. And that phone number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And join us in our Discord server. We would love to see you there. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. Listeners of the show are there. We have a lot of new people joining recently. We want you to keep coming, talk with us, suggest show topics, and just uh, be part of the community. Allie, if they would like to contribute to 2 g how do they do it? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and I hope you will because the world is burning and we don't know if our unemployment benefits are going to get extended. <sighs> Thanks, story. everyone. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We will catch you next time. Thank you. Citation needed. I mean, produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. He is a treat whore. <laughs>